are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. And man, do I have a special, special treat for you today. There's uh, a lot of times it's overstated when somebody says that somebody got me into the industry or somebody gave me a chance but that's really the case with the man that I'm about to interview right now and talk with. And he is going to be a regular part of the show. One of the most insightful people I know, one of the coolest people I know. And just like me, he's been a diehard Arizona Wildcat fan mixed in with a little bit of West Virginia love. But we've all kind of got that other team as well. Mr. Rob Lance, how you doing, buddy? Oh, Mike, it is great to hear your voice, man. And I first of all, thank you so much for having me on. And I just have to say up front, uh, I'm really proud of what you've accomplished in this business. And uh, I guess that all those listeners out there can kind of blame me um, for all of your nonsense that you've uh, been spouting over the last, I don't know, how many years you've been on the air now? Seven? Seven. So it's all my fault. I hired Mike to be a board op when I was at 1290. Man, how long ago was that, Mike? Oh, gosh, seven, eight years ago, something like that. It was a while ago. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is all my fault. Jason Shear on the writing side me on the radio side. So you can blame both of us. Uh, me mostly though, for that, uh, for Mike being, uh, the one spouting all the nonsense on the, on the radio. It's certainly a double whammy and you know what, I guess you take the good with the bad, but, uh, before we get into stuff here, uh, Rob, fill people in. What do you, what have you been up to, man? So I think, uh, let's just back up a little bit. Um, I was at 1290, the station where you are now for, Mm -hmm. uh, the better part of 12 years. I did every conceivable job at that station from board hopping, like how you started to doing scoreboard updates, called some high school football for Sal Point, uh, hosted pre and post game shows, and also had the afternoon sports talk show um, from Monday through Fridays, three to six. So I did every conceivable job there aside from sales. Um, and, you know, I had the luxury of, of seeing a lot of great moments uh, for Arizona sports, for Arizona football on the sidelines for some really big games, uh, really big wins, really big losses. Uh, the Oregon game comes to mind, um, but also, you know, getting to follow Arizona basketball, which was a lifelong dream of mine. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, but one of the highlights of that was seeing Arizona absolutely destroy Duke in the Sweet 16 over in Anaheim sitting courtside. So. Things didn't end the way that I wanted them to at 1290. We don't need to get into all the political stuff from that side. Left 1290, went to work for NPR. They had a budget crisis six months after I started there. Of course, I was the new guy, so I was the first one gone. Uh, But that afforded me the opportunity to go back to school, though, um, with some of my free time that I had. And I'll be graduating this December with a degree in secondary um, high school education. And I'll be teaching high school history coming up here soon. Now, is there uh, any uh, any place that you'd like you'd prefer to teach at? Uh, where can if somebody's got a kid going into high school and they want a really really good uh, guy who's quite knowledgeable in a lot of areas, history, politics? Where could we maybe find one, Rob Lance? Well, my dream, my goal. I'm a CDO grad, a proud CDO grad, so that's kind of where I'm leaning to. Uh, I'd love to get back up there and, and be a Dorado and uh, walk out of uh, my classroom every day and see Push Ridge there on the Catalina Mountains and. Uh, that's kind of where I'm aiming towards. So hopefully that's where I'll I'll end up. But really, it's one of those things. I'll take the job wherever I can get it. But yeah, CDO is definitely the dream. We're going to talk a lot about uh, just kind of what fan expectations are, how things have changed over the last 15 years. 
We're going to talk a lot about those in the, in the next uh, couple segments. And being that we're going to take both of those long, I'm going to take this one a little bit short here so that we can spend a lot of time diving into a couple issues that Rob and I are both incredibly passionate about. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats, but before that, if you're like me and you, it's kind of difficult to really be able to get to the gym really when you want to, that's part of the problem. And honestly, the second part I think that we can all identify with is eating right as my boss, Rob Lance, can attest to eating right for me has never been something that's been easy. I'm generally somebody that uh, basically when in doubt, I'm going to a hot pocket or I'm going to a pop tart, something that's probably not best for you. Built Bar is a little bit different because Built Bar tastes like the pop tart that I really want to have after a workout. It's not something I dread anymore. Again, I'm not the shredded person that some other people are out, but I'm trying to get into shape. And Built Bar has made this a lot easier because Honestly, it makes things easier. I look forward to having a protein snack after a workout as opposed to dreading it and reconciling how exactly I'm going to be able to get through the day wondering, okay, this isn't very good. Built Bar is different. It tastes like candy. And if you're like me, you should like candy. I've also talked to you quite a bit about rockauto.com. The thing that's cool about rockauto.com is that it is a family business. And in this day and age where you really don't trust anybody, going to having somebody that you trust is impossibly important. And rockauto.com has been awesome to my parents. They don't like getting new cars. My dad likes working on cars, but he doesn't like a lot of the hassle of having to navigate things online. Rockauto.com has made that a lot easier for him. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and basically choose whatever brand you want. Go to rockauto.com, write Locked In on their How Did You Hear About Us? So they know, they know that we sent you. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. Welcome back to Locked On Wildcats. I'm Mike Luke, again, joined by the man that I affectionately call boss, Rob Lance. Rob, growing up here in Arizona, and Arizona basketball meant everything to me. And I know it did to you too. My life revolved around Arizona hoops. And I don't know whether it's the change in culture or whatever it is. I, my, I still love Arizona basketball, but there was something about that Lute Olson era that just had a family feeling that I don't know that we're ever going to see again in college basketball. I don't know whether that's the program, whether that's the, the, way college athletics is now, but it's just a lot different out there. Oh, it's totally different. I, I think the family feel that you you hit on there, Mike, is is exactly the word that I was thinking of. That or or community feel. Um I think that you can vividly remember March in Tucson. Every single corner seemed to have like a kiosk selling t shirts. Right. And stuff like that. It, it just doesn't seem to be that way anymore with that that communal feel that everybody's rallying behind the cats and maybe it's because it's a little bit bigger town now maybe it's a cultural thing maybe it's just kind of over these last five or six years where i'm starting to sense a bit more apathy towards the arizona basketball program i mean i talk to a lot of people um, around where i work now um some older folks that have been season ticket holders for a long time for football, basketball, softball, baseball, and they're excited about the softball team. 
They're excited about the baseball team. They're excited about the women's basketball team. But there doesn't seem to be that same sort of communal feel with basketball. And football, I think, is a different beast just because of how poor the program has been. Right. But I, I think that we're just missing that sort of communal feel around basketball. And I don't know if it's if it's the the investigation stuff. I don't know if it's because some people feel like Miller hasn't necessarily embraced Tucson. There hasn't been a whole lot of outreach from the basketball program. I know that from a media perspective, it's been frustrating when I was working in the media. Uh, I know it's been frustrating for a lot of the guys that are still there um, as far as access is concerned. It just seems like the, that communal communal familial feel j- just isn't there anymore. What do you what do you attest or what do you uh, credit that to? Because I was thinking about this when I was going over our show prep today. And the one thing when I was coming up and I'm a couple years younger, but we're both basically the same age. When I was coming up, I felt that I knew everybody. I knew like on the national championship team, I knew that Mike Bibby basically just cared about basketball. That was it. I knew that Jason Terry was incredibly concerned with how his socks looked about keeping people loose. Michael Dickerson was the quiet guy. Miles Simon was the leader. You felt that you really knew all these people. Now look at it. When Arizona made some runs under Sean Miller, and again, I'm not even necessarily putting down Miller. This might just be the way college basketball is. What did you really know about TJ McConnell or Nick Johnson, especially a Nick Johnson? Because Nick Johnson's from Arizona. What did you really know about Derek Williams other than the fact that, yeah, he was from Los Angeles and he was an over uh, underlooked recruit? What did you really know there, Rob? You were in the trenches at that point. I, I didn't know much about them. I knew that McConnell was a, a Pittsburgh guy, so I kind of right. embraced that aspect I of it. I knew you were going to um, go with that. We we kind of talked some Steelers on occasion, talked some Permani brothers, you know, talked about about that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I think that I can. I don't know if this was the same way when you with your school, Mike. But I and I know that maybe it was because Lou Olson's uh, daughter Jody Brazzi was my PE teacher in elementary school. But I had guys like Sean Elliott and Steve Kerr coming out to my classroom in first grade. Wow. I had guys like uh, Matt Muehlbach coming out and putting on basketball clinics. And it wasn't just at, at Copper Creek where I went to school, where where Mrs. Brazi was the PE teacher. I have other friends that had that same thing happening uh, at, at their school, even without the direct connection to to Lutz family. So I think that it was kind of, again, back to that community feeling where the players were out in the community, you know, hang, hanging out with kids, doing stuff like that. But the stories don't really get told. You don't get to, you know, of course, Kerr's story is is one of those right. that we all embraced with uh, the tragic death of his father and and Elliot being a Tucson kid. Obviously, you, you have a lot of that, but you hit on some great stories with the, the national championship uh, teams. And of course, those guys were all here for a long time. So you got to know them a little bit. But Caleb Tarzuski was a four year starter. What do you know about Arizona? Him? I know that he was a good student and he was from the and from New England. Right. That's not going to really get you That's connection. It. That's not. And I, I know that, that I was talking with a with a coworker earlier today about this. Uh, again, he had the same experience as I did where the, the players when we were younger, you know, the, that first Final Four team or the players there in the early 90s were, were really involved in the community. And that is a testament to loot. And I think it's probably even more of a testament to Bobby Olson uh, as to why that was maybe happening. Um, but I also think that if they were out doing these community things, I haven't seen it. 
And I think that that's one of the big reasons that you have a lack of, of excitement with it is because we don't know those stories. These guys aren't necessarily out in the community. Now I'm not saying they have to be out there all the time, but if that stuff was happening with the amount of social media coverage that we have and in the marketing of the university of Arizona, you'd think that would be being shown if it was happening. So we have to kind of assume that that community aspect of it isn't taking place. And I think it does a disservice really to everybody that's out there because honestly, coming up reading the, you know, reading uh, cat tracks with, you know, John Schuster and reading those kind of, there was never a hit piece per se. Now there's one guy in the media here that probably you might not want to put everybody near, but other than that, these were generally good articles getting to know some people. I'll give you another example. And I thought it was a great point. You mentioned Gilbert Arenas was only here for two years. I felt that I knew Gilbert Arenas. You had knew that he was a goofball. You knew that he and Jason Gardner, Batman and Robin, where one guy's serious, he's all about basketball. The other one's the guy that's going to want to play Xbox until 3.30 in the morning and then throw water on Jason Gardner's face so that he can get up early and go shoot at like Himmel Park or something. You knew, and, and that was just from a two-year period. So yes, I totally agree with what you're saying that they're not here as long, but I think it's also a disservice not having the access though. I think the access is a big thing. Um, I, I don't think it's just necessarily a, a basketball thing either. I know I've had conversations with you and, you know, you mentioned John Schuster, so we can bring mm-hmm. him up into this also, is that you know, a couple of years ago for football, I think this has been the case since Kadeem left, that who's been the marketable player? Who's been the face of the program? Has there been anybody that gets you excited to go to Arizona stadium at, you know, eight o'clock on a Saturday night where, you know, you're not going to get out of there till midnight because college football games last forever now. Now I don't want this to be a poo poo fest of just like, you know, hating on it. There's a lot of reasons for lack of access. Uh, I think that a lot of times you see it with social media. A lot of times they've taken that kind of in house, but there are a lot of stories that you can still tell uh, out there. And I think that, you know, it's, you kind of see it with the Arizona women's basketball team. I think Adia Barnes has done a great job of getting stuff out in the community, or at least having that sort of familial communal feel um, back at McHale center. So I don't know. It's just one of those things that I, I think that they're doing a disservice. And I'd love to know if this is the same case in like, you know, Lexington, Kentucky or Durham, North Carolina, or, you know, in Lawrence, Kansas, are, are they having these same issues that they don't necessarily know their players? They have these one and dones. They have these, guys that are transferring in and out quite often, are, are they having the same issues with, you know, not necessarily having a, a direct connection with their programs? And I think that's a great question. And I don't know that really anybody has an answer to that. On the other side, though, I, now I want to get Rob's take on what he thinks program expectations should be. We're going to banter back and forth a little bit on that. But with the college basketball season ending right now and the NCAA tournament about to start, BetOnline.ag is easily the best place to go. You can get any kind of cool prop bet you want. You can get the basic lines you want. Anything that you want, this basically has it. It's a gambler's haven, and it's kind of a casual gambler's spot as well. BetOnline.ag. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats, joined by Rob Lance, who will be a staple of this show. And like I said, someone I affectionately call boss. We just talked a little bit about how college hoops has changed since when Rob first got into the industry to now. Now I wanted to talk about a little bit how Arizona basketball expectations should be going forward. 
Now, Rob has lived Arizona basketball from the earliest times that, well, earliest times of his life. And he's seen basically everything up close. He's seen where Arizona from about a seven or eight, eight year period from about 96 to 2003, literally took a back seat to nobody. He's seen the highs. He's seen the lows. My question is this, Rob. In the year 2021, what should expectations be for Arizona basketball fans over the next few years? Let me start you off with a stat here, Mike. And I think that a lot of people will, uh, this one's been thrown around a lot and there's some reasons for it. And there's, you know, some excuses for it. Two NCAA wins in the last six years. What, what does that tell you? I, I remember what is your what are your thoughts on that? I remember all the time when people would freak out when Lute Olson would lose a first round game. And granted, there were too many of them. But you know what was sandwiched in between final four runs. So it was a lot easier to get over two wins in six years. That doesn't cut it at a program as proud as Arizona is. It just doesn't. Not even close. It's not even close. That is something that you look at uh, a program like Colorado. I'm throwing right. them out there. Uh, Utah. You know, sometime, Utah. Uh, Oregon State would kill for mm-hmm. that. Arizona. No, no, no. I'm sorry. This is Arizona basketball. And while they're not a true blue blood, I think that they're a level behind. You know, obviously those Kentuckys of the world. They're in that Kansas, ring, though. Uh, of course. They're right there with like a Syracuse was under Bayheim under their heyday. Um, you and I could go back and forth about UConn. We'd probably be in agreement <laughs> that they were in their heyday. One of those 1A schools. But Two NCAA wins in in six years, and you can get into okay. Last year, COVID, it was canceled. This year, a uh, you know a, a shortened season because of the the self imposed sanctions. Mike, were either of these teams going to make any no. noise in the NCAA tournament? None. I, I don't think so. And they probably would have been about a five seed last year. This year, they would have been about a bubble team. But again, two wins in six years. And, and you hit the nail on the head. I, I can remember specifically the the Santa Clara loss, the the loss against uh, Miami of Ohio, East Tennessee State, Miami of Ohio. Sure, and you hit on it that there was a Final Four run that was sandwiched in there. Also, though, for Loot, you know what bought him some time? He had a Final Four run before that at Arizona, mm-hmm. and he had another one before that at Iowa. Right. So he he bought himself some time with that. Where. I, I understand people backing Miller. It's, it's the hometown sort of fan thing, but I it just seems like the the level of expectation has really dropped here. And, and I, I don't want to be too facetious here. And of course, he's just saying something in the post game this this last week, and, and and I'm parsing words here. Miller says he wants to get Arizona back to the mountaintop. Now, without being too much of a jerk, Miller, you haven't been to the mountaintop, right? Right. And I think the part if those expectations, Mike, and again, I'll, I'll pull it back here a little bit. But if those expectations are winning a Pac-12 season regular title and winning a Pac-12 tournament title. For me, that's the bare minimum right. for Arizona. Arizona needs to be a second weekend team or deeper year in and year out. Occasionally, you're going to have those years where you just run into a bad matchup that first weekend. We, we've all seen that. Every team has had that. I mean, heck, a number one seed has lost to a 16 seed. Most recently is what two or mm-hmm. finally two years right. ago with, with Virginia losing. So it, it can happen, but to be a true blue blood of the sport, you got to be competing in that second weekend, you know, elite eight sweet 16s or, or later. You know, I don't need, I don't need what Lute Olson 
created here because something Lute Olson was just special. He was one of the 15 best coaches to ever walk the college basketball sideline. And from about 88 to 2003, whatever metric you want to use, Arizona was one of the five best programs in college basketball, period. They just were. And I don't need that, but I think that it is fair for Arizona fans to have expectations of, quite frankly, being a top 15 team on a season-by-season basis. I don't believe the expectations should be that, well, we made the tournament, or, you know, uh, Arizona got in as an eight seed, or we finished third in the Pac-12. That, to me, isn't Arizona basketball. This was built, and I look at Jason Terry all the time hopping off the sideline. Jason Terry's senior year, nobody expected anything of Arizona, and they still go into the tournament as a four seed. He's the national player of the year. Every year, somebody stepped up to avoid Arizona falling from that top 10 to 15 precipice. That's what I think Arizona needs to be at. Again, Rob, I don't expect him to compete for national titles every year, but they need to be around the top 10 to 15, in my opinion. Yeah, Olsen's teams weren't, weren't uh, you know, national title contenders every single year. But you can count on it every four mm-hmm. years, every five years. It was years, all right at that. They'd be right. making a deep run and, and probably one of the top three teams in the country. Uh, we can count on uh, you know a couple different fingers how many times they were the best team in the country but didn't necessarily make it to the, the championship game. Uh, I know you count 89 in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 01, they were one of the better teams. 03, they were one of the better teams. 05, mm-hmm. I mean, so you're talking almost every other year there um for a stretch but again you don't even necessarily need it to be that often uh for arizona to to be happy but mike let me ask you a question on this why do you think the expectations have changed because i think there's a large group of people and this isn't meant in a condescending light at all and i was thinking all last night how i was going to word this and then i just realized i'm just going to say it i think there's a lot of people that don't remember what it was like to grow up with arizona basketball i think there's a lot of people and here i am now i'm sounding like the guy get off my lawn But I think there's a lot of people that just don't understand what Arizona basketball was or what it should be. And so it's cool. Like last year, you get a lot of people that are like, well, what was the problem? Arizona would have been a mid-level seed. You had two first round picks, but that really wasn't, that's not Arizona basketball. If that had been a season under loot, everybody would be looking at that as a giant disappointment. And again, I want to be clear here. I'm not expecting Arizona to return to loot, but the program has fallen off. And I think a lot of people are just kind of okay with it, where, in my opinion, next year, Arizona's got to make a move. Arizona's got to be able to be better than they've been. I I think back to when Miller had those Elite Eight teams. That's more of what I'm talking about under it. But that seems like it's been a long time, though, for sure, Rob. Oh, in college basketball today, it feels like it was eons ago. Uh, I I think, though, that and you've hit on a number of times here on, on your podcast uh, Mike here on Locked On, that next year's roster, they're set for this right. thing. If Miller's back and, and you know, if uh, if the if President Robbins and, and Dave Hickey and the, the Board of Regents and all that stuff get this thing ironed out and, and Miller's back, and of course there's a lot of what-ifs with that, they're set up. They're set up. They're going to have their whole starting five back, or at least the majority of it, and they've got a ton of talent. They, they can, I think that those wait till next year excuses mm-hmm. are, are gone. Uh, next year, if if everything comes back the way that some people are predicting that it will, but they need to be one of those. I, but the, even then, I think there may be like a borderline twenty to fifteen team instead of a top fifteen right. team. Where if things go their way in the tournament, then they can make that second second weekend run. 
where, you know, those Miller teams with Nick Johnson that we're talking about, TJ McConnell, those back-to-back, you know, lead eight uh, losses, that's more on the, on par with the expectations that that I think people from from our generation, you and I, us old guys get off our lawn guys yeah, right. are, are more looking now, towards. Now, you know, because we're, we're up against a break here, but the one thing that I will want to say before I give you the, uh, I give you the last word is, in my opinion, going forward, Arizona needs to win next year. And to kind of elaborate a little bit on what you said, I think Arizona needs to be a top 15 team and they need to be a top 15 team pretty much all season. They do. And uh, Oregon's kind of taken that mantle. Mm-hmm. And, pretty- and that that doesn't sit well, I think, with a lot of uh, a lot of us Arizona fans where what they're looking at their fourth straight. You and I were texting a little bit earlier, fourth straight uh, conference title. And that's something that's usually reserved for Arizona and for UCLA. And. Rob, again, this was awesome talking about just kind of where Arizona's been, where they're going, and you're going to be on next week, my man, but this was fantastic catching up with you, and I know everybody out there is going to be excited to hear your voice again. Hey, man, I'm excited to be doing this again. I get to scratch that itch of jumping back on and uh, and sharing some love with, uh, with the, uh, about Arizona athletics with uh, with one of my favorite people and you, Mike. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats.